So today we're going to talk about peace. Now, you know, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God has a sense of humor. Because as I was trying to figure out things, getting things prepared this week, and I came here, uh, well, yesterday for a portion of the day, and I was working in the booth trying to get stuff working. And I wanted to play some music, and I go to turn on the computer, and I try to play some music, and it was not recognizing the, uh, the output that was connected. So then I'm like, what in the world is going on? So then, I was, so then I spent my time instead of actually working on slides and stuff, and I, at that point I had no idea that this thing wasn't, you know, going to work. And so I'm over here trying to figure out, well, why is the computer not working the way it's supposed to? So finally I get that figured out, I get it turned on, I turn on the projectors, and then it's another problem. And I, and I stop and I'm like, Lord, is this just a lesson to remind me to focus on peace? Because this is getting real chaotic and frustrating. And so I had to stop and go, you know what, I'm not going to let this mess up what God has given me. I'm not going to let this ruin my day. And so I remember we, we actually went to um, the botanical garden to go see the lights and stuff uh, yesterday evening as a family. And I came home like, you know what, I'm going to give it one more try. I'm going to come here, do an hour. It either is going to work or it's not going to work. And that's that. So I came over here and spent more than an hour. <laughs> it still didn't work. So I'm like, you know what, Lord, this is your service. Do what you're going to do. And so I went home and just, and just chilled. But sometimes in the midst of the chaos, it's hard to remember the peace that God has instilled within us. Because when you go into the chaos, the last thing you're thinking about is not, man, this is such a peaceful situation. No, this is such an awful situation, and I don't want to be in the midst of it. I want it to go away. I want it to be fixed. And then when it doesn't work out and it's not working, then you don't go, man, I'm so glad that's not working usually. Usually you go, why is it not working? And so I found myself trying to balance that, those two. Do I let frustration be the thing that, that leads me forward to where I come in frustrated that it's not working? Or do I allow God's peace to, to take over and I say, you know what, I trust you, God. I trust that you have this in control. If this is not working and we need to get something to fix to get it fixed, then that's what we're going to do. I can't rush it to get fixed because the stuff that might need fixed is going to need to be ordered. So there's, it's not going to come, it's not going to make it Sunday morning. So I'm not going to stress about this situation. I'm just going to trust you. But the cool thing about it is, and the thing that I'm thankful for when it comes to like my guitar just crapping out on me in the middle of worship. It's not the first time where I've, where I've been ready to do service and everything was working just fine before service ha started and then all of a sudden nothing is working. In fact, I can remember one, a time in Orlando where we had practiced all, every song. The things were, everything was going great and then we get ready to start service and the whole soundboard shut down. And so we had to quickly improvise. So instead, we just went kind of like we did where, I, where we improvised. We just literally did the whole thing, an acoustic set. And it was a beautiful, memorable time of worship because our focus was not on what went wrong, 
it became more on who's in control. And the thing about peace is that we all want it. Sometimes it feels like it's unattainable, but when you read Galatians 5, 22, 23, it says it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means that within us is the ability to experience peace. The problem is we don't put it to practice. Just like every other fruit, if you don't use it, one of the famous phrases, if you don't use it, you lose it. So if you don't put that you don't use your peace, you don't put it to practice in different situations, or maybe you have, and then you get to a point where you forget what it feels like to have peace, what happens is when it comes to a situation when you finally remember, oh man, I wish I had the peace of God in me, it feels like it's hard to attain, but the truth of the matter is you've always had the ability within you. And that's what these passages remind us of. All these things, goodness, patience, or long-suffering, long faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these fruits are fruits that we've received through the Spirit. And if you don't exercise them, if you don't take care of them, then you lose the ability or you forget how to use them. What happens if you don't water your plants enough and you just let them be? Well, you better hope it, 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 continue, it rains a lot. Thankfully, we live in Florida, and you get a lot of rain. But even then, too much water can also affect your plants. And so if you're not doing the right amount of, to take care of those plants, they're going to die and wither. The same thing with the fruits of the Spirit. If you're not exercising them, you're not utilizing them, what happens? People begin to wonder and question, are they really a Christian? Because I don't see this love that they talk about. Are they really a Christian? Because I just saw him yelling in traffic at the person that cut him off. Are they really a Christian? Because I just heard the way they spoke that that doesn't really say. And so these things, we sometimes we get so used to being part of the world, we, get, we become too much of a part of the world. And what's supposed to set us apart are the fruits of the Spirit. And so this word peace, it's used several times in Scripture. And one of the ways that it's used, uh, the original word, at least if you've ever heard the phrase shalom, which is the Hebrew word, it's more than just peace be with you. When they say shalom, they're wishing you uh, prosperity. They're wishing you safety, security. There's so much to that word that we think they're just saying peace be with you. But in Scripture, the same word that is used for peace, there's at least one place where it's used for rest or quietness. But more often than not, it's used for peace. And the word is, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it the right way, the Greek version. It's irene. And since there's nobody in here that speaks Greek, that's going to say, I don't worry about it, buddy. I'm not going to stop in the middle just for that, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> but maybe later. But this Greek word, what it means essentially, it talks about peace between individuals or harmony. The way that leads to peace when referring to our salvation. Another one, when it comes to uh, Christianity, is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. 
Another way is that people sometimes use peace is when you've lost somebody and they'll say they're at peace now. Now, it sounds nice. And you get, and I understand why they say it. But when you are in the midst of pain and grief, that's not the words you want to hear. Rather, I would rather you just sit with me and just not say anything and let me process it because that's what we have to do we have to process these things through the lens of God through the lens of scripture but we have to actually take the time to process these things in Luke chapter 2 verse 14 it says glory to God in the highest heavens and honor peace to those on whom his favor rests you know when I I remember with the first few times I read this, I actually used to think it was saying uh, peace on earth. But then I look around and I'm like, well, I don't see a whole lot of peace. Instead, what I see is fighting. I see people killing each other. I see division. I see war. I don't know about you, but nothing about that screams peace. But rather, when you reread this passage, and it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Meaning that not everyone will experience the peace of God. His peace rests on those who believes in him those who have been filled with the Spirit, those who have accepted Him as Lord and Savior. See, that's why when we're going through something, we can look at our situation and we can ask God to give us peace that goes beyond understanding. And sometimes people don't really get how can you have peace when everything around you is falling apart. That's the difference between the peace of God and what the world offers us. So if you would go to uh, John chapter 14, I'm not going to read the whole thing, just verse 25 through 27. And this is Jesus speaking to the disciples. And we're going to look at a few different places in the book of John. This particular passage, John 14, verse 25 through 27, it says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The first thing that I noticed that I think we need to take from this, and it's it's verse 27, where Jesus says, peace I leave with you. Not just any kind of peace, but his peace. The second thing that we need to remember is that peace, it's really a gift that we sometimes can take for granted. In, ver- in chapter, I'm sorry, in John 16, 31 through 33, 
It says, do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In both these passages, Jesus reminds the disciples, really reminding us, do not be troubled, but rather take heart because he has already overcome this world. Now, it's funny because I've, have you ever read something several times and then something just kind of strikes you as you're reading it? It's almost like it's the first time you've ever read this. When I was reading this, one of the things that the first thing I thought of was, well, what had Jesus been telling the disciples? He's basically has told them, listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to be taken, beaten, put on a cross, died, and I will come back in three days. Now, but then he says, but here's the thing. Every single one of you are going to scatter when this happens. I don't know about you, but if you spent time with somebody that's mentored you for several years and they start telling you, well, listen, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm not going to be able to walk with you side by side after this point. The last thing that you're having in that moment is not peace. Rather, you're thinking of, what am I going to do without you? After all this that you've walked me through, all the things I've learned from you, what am I supposed to do on my own once you've left? You're not thinking, man, everything's going to be great. You know, I don't, even though I don't, I'm not going to have you to fall back on, I'm not going to have you leading me and guiding me, everything's going to be fine. Even though you just told me you're going to die, yeah, everything's going to be fine. I don't think they were in that moment thinking about the peace that Jesus is telling them about. Rather, I know that and if I was in their shoes, I would be thinking about everything that he just told me and how awful some of it sounds. Yes, he's going to come back, but not only will he be beaten, crucified, but he's saying that I'm going to run away and turn my back on him. There's nothing peaceful about that conversation. There's nothing in that conversation that says, that would really say, man, thank you for telling me this. You know, there are times when we want God to tell us things, but if, that was, if he told you and that, like the disciples, listen, there's going to come a point where you're going to run away and turn away from me. Would you be okay with knowing that? Would you feel at peace knowing that? He's basically saying you're going to turn your back on him. See, that's where they found themselves in that moment. But then Jesus reassures them that there's still, and that's the thing about the God that we serve, there's always an opportunity for redemption. Because he didn't, even though he told them they would run away, they would turn their back on him, he didn't say, he didn't condemn them for that. Rather, he told them, don't worry. I'm leaving you my peace. Even though it doesn't sound great, even though the outlook is just awful, if you rely on the peace of God, you can get through it. 
See, I think this passage is not just for us, but it's for those that have turned and walked away from God. Those that have turned their back and maybe have scattered for whatever reasons. Maybe they were hurt at one point in the church. And sometimes when people are hurt, they blame the whole church for the problem. But when in reality, it's one person that wounded them. But Jesus could have looked at them and says, what you're about to do is hurtful to me. But rather he said, I'm going to leave you with my peace about this situation. Because he knew how they thought. He knew what they, were, what they were thinking in that moment. And he knew that everything he was telling them for some of them, for all of them really, it's a lot of information to process and think through. But then he says, Take heart. I've already overcome this world. Yes, I'm going to die. Yes, I'm going to be resurrected. And that's for you. So that you can receive salvation. I believe this passage is for those that have felt lost. Have wandered away from God. And they think there's no way he would welcome them back ever. But he's saying, I've already overcome the world for you, knowing that you would turn away from me. Knowing that you would scatter. Knowing that you would go as far as you can, just like Noah tried to go the, the op- Jonah tried to go the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. He tried to get as far away in the opposite direction, and yet God still grabbed him. See, he hasn't stopped pursuing the ones that have turned away. They just have to be willing to accept that he's coming after them and accept the hand of extension that he's reaching out. See, it's easy to characterize a group when we've been hurt. If you've been hurt in a church, you characterize the whole church as the problem. But in reality, as I said before, it's not always the whole church that hurt you. There are many people that say that they are believers, but then they forget the Scripture where Paul says, do not forget or forsake the gathering together. Which means gathering together as believers is an important part of our faith, is an important part of our worship. You can only worship by yourself for so long before you start to feel isolated. Because at, one, at some point or another, you get to a point where you feel like you're on an island, but really you've not been on an island. You've just put yourself in a place that you've excluded yourself from the rest of the body. You know, I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, I subbed a few times this week, and I did a fourth grade class. And I was thinking to myself, man, not every kid in that class was on their best behavior. In fact, I had one that was basically purposefully acting out. And I could tell their acting out was really an attention-seeking, but at the same time was distracting to the other kids. But he clearly wanted out of the class. And I'm like, well, if, he get, if I get him removed, then he gets what he wants. But then after we, got, we went to lunch and we were coming back, he did something, so he ended up getting removed anyway. So he kind of left that out of my hand. 
But the way I was thinking about it is, like, if he wants that badly to, and he's okay with getting in trouble that much, and, you know, the other kids are like, this is basically a daily thing for him. There's something going on there that's deeper than just surface level than what we're seeing. And so, and then I thought to myself, man, what if, as a teacher, I just said, you know, because of that one kid, I just know that all the other kids are going to just act awful. Can you imagine if that's how we went, just with the notion we went as teachers, as believers towards people? Because I saw one act of misbehavior, I'm going to just say that every single one in that room is going to be the same way. But that's what some people do that call themselves Christians. Because of one act that I saw that did not align with God's word, I refuse to forgive, but I'm still going to say that I'm a believer. But yet, Jesus says you're to forgive 70 times times 7. Not over a lifetime. A day. <laughs> Daily. That's a lot. 490 times a day. Can you think about how many people gets on your nerve on a daily basis that you have to say, Lord, help me? <laughs> but that forgiveness, you can't say you're a believer and yet refuse to forgive the people that you are part of a body with. You can't just exclude certain things because it doesn't work that way. We want peace, but the things, sometimes the things that keeps us from having peace are the things, the pain and the hurt that we've experienced that we refuse to let go of. And so the more we hold on to it, the more of a weight it bears on us, and we try to do it by ourselves. We carry it for as long as we can to the point where we get to a point where we can't do it anymore. And meanwhile, you have people that are praying for you, that are reaching out to you, telling you you know, give it to God, telling you this and that, but you refuse to listen. You refuse to accept that because you just can't seem to let go. See, the peace that we want is not going to come from this world. And that's the problem. When people turn from God and turn to the world, they don't find peace in that. What you find is you start to strive for things to fill that hurt with. And then you fill that hurt with something else, and it's not usually something good. And you just keep going and going and going and keep filling it to the point you become numb or you don't even realize that you're doing it. Whereas Jesus is looking at us saying, look, I've already overcome the world. There's nothing that this world has to give you that is better than what he has for you. This season of Christmas, as we draw nearer and nearer to Jesus' coming, as we walk through this season of Advent, this peace that we desire in this season, don't let the busyness of this season take away your peace. Remember why we celebrate Christmas. Remember why it's an important holiday that we celebrate. And remember, even if there wasn't any trees or gift involved, it's still worthy of being 
celebrate it because it's not about the trees. It's not about the gifts. It's about the fact that Jesus saw a hurting world. And he accepted that his father wanted him to come and be the sacrifice that would bring these broken relationships, these hurting people back into a relationship with the Father. That is the gift of Christmas. That Jesus wants to give us peace, joy, love, all these things he wants to give us, not just at this time of year, but every single day of the year. So what is it that keeps you, weighs down on you, and keeps you from experiencing the fullness of his peace? As I said before, when we think of peace, it's not a simple, just a simple peace, I hope everything's okay. No, it's talking about the, it talks about the fullness that comes with it. In other words, you feel complete, you feel rested, you feel renewed. There's safety in His peace. There's security in God's peace. And there's prosperity in His peace. That is why we love this God that we serve. Because He's worthy of all these things, and yet He made a way for us to have all these things accessible to us every single day. So my question for you this morning is, are you putting to practice the fruits of the Spirit? And maybe you've put some of them to practice, but there's some that you just haven't found yourself utilizing. There are always opportunities to put the fruits to practice. All you have to do is leave your house and go into the world. And you'll find a reason to use your fruits and put it to practice. See, if patience is something that you struggle with, the first warning I want to give you is don't ask God for more because he will, you will get it. But when you go out, there's opportunity to exercise that because you'll meet people who are impatient, who do things that are convenient for them sometimes, but when they do things that are convenient for them, it's inconvenient for you, so then you have to put to practice this patience that you hear about in Scriptures. This patience that says, I'm not going to get mad. Even though in their rush they may have stepped on my toe, even though in their rush they may have elbowed me, whatever it may be. No, I'm just going to show them the love of Christ. I'm just going to show them what a Christian is supposed to be like, what a Christian life, living out their life, is supposed to like, look like when they're filled with the Spirit. So whatever it is that you find yourself in need of more of, or maybe you need more practice in, I would encourage you to purposefully practice those. I'm not saying you go out looking for trouble or looking for chaos, but look for ways to use the fruits that God has placed in you 
so that you don't ever forget what it feels like to have them. I feel like the, where I've practiced my patience the most is with my children. They are so different from each other. I have one that's, I could stand here and name lots of things, but if you've been around Karis, she's a take your time, walks at her own pace, do, do everything at her own pace. And for me, I'm a let's get moving type of personality. And so she'll just mosey along, Karis, get your shoes. She's still not listening. <laughs> She's in her own world. And I love her. But when you're trying to get somewhere and <laughs> she's just like, get where? <laughs> you have to practice that, that patience, that love that says, you know what? N even though I may, I may be late to something, that's just her being herself. I don't want to tell her she can't be who she is, who God has made her to be, because I'm trying to rush her. Because I don't want her to go through life thinking that, you know, you have to be in a hurry for everything. But at the same time, I don't want her to go through life thinking that you don't want to ever be on time either. So please pray for me. <laughs> but the difference in the kids and watching them grow and learn and develop is such an amazing thing because you, watching them just show that love to one another where they look out for each other. And you're like, man, why do we as adults, when did we lose that? Where loving others didn't seem like a chore. Where doing something nice for somebody didn't seem like a big deal. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there's never the occasional disagreements and fights and stuff, but there are certain things that they do for each other and then they're spending time together. You're like, man, when did we lose this level of connection? This level of harmony, of unity? Because that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. There's supposed to be a level of harmony and unity within us. That just like when kids argue, we as grown up, we argue but we still come back to the most important thing, which is the love of Christ, which is what drew us together. And so no matter how mad we might get at each other or how upset one of us might make the other feel, we remember, man, Jesus forgave me. So in turn, I want to forgive my fellow brothers and sisters because that's what we're supposed to do. Because when we don't forgive, Jesus also tells us, then why would God forgive you if you're not willing to forgive somebody else? So think about that for a second. When you hold on to this unforgiveness, but then you're turning around asking God to forgive you for things, why should he forgive you when you won't forgive one of his children? Because he's the one who created each and every single one of us as his. So if you're not willing to forgive one of his children who is supposed to be your brother or sister in Christ, then why should the Father show you the same forgiveness that you're asking for? 
my prayer for you is that as you go through this week, as you go through this day, that you would experience that peace that he has for you. That peace that says that this world is chaotic, this season is crazy, but God remains faithful. And I know I can make it through by going at his pace and at, at the pace of everybody else. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you that you are a God of peace. That you are constant. That the peace that you offer us goes beyond just rest. It is a peace filled with security. A peace filled with safety. A peace that tells us that we can trust you to walk us through. So, God, we just pray for an abundance and overflowing level of peace this week. Because there will come things that comes that tries to shake us, that tries to knock us down, Lord. We just pray that when those moments happens, that the Spirit would just tap us and remind us, hey, you don't have to let this get to you because the peace of God is already within you. And then we would stop and take a moment and rest in your peace. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory, praise, and honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. Amen.